and welcome to Jeff Thoughts with Jeff. Yeah, this isn't Say What You Mean. We've got a lot going on and I've got a lot to cover today to make you all sit through my brain, I suppose. Um, you know, you, you, we've listened to Jake do this before and it's honestly one of my favorite things to listen to is just Jake kind of just free flow his thoughts and express himself. You know, it's it's weird not, and I think you mentioned this before. It's weird not having someone kind of validating or disapproving of your ideas or jokes. Um, I obviously haven't made any of those yet, but they're going to come. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just he's such a trooper, and he he stepped up so many times when I've needed him to to at least put something out, and and just when we couldn't record. And if you haven't listened to Jake Thoughts with Jake, it's 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 really one of my favorite things that we've done on this podcast, and it, I had nothing to do with it. It was all him, just kind of just spewing his thoughts and ideas. So I, I stole some of the things that he does that he he has done in the past, um, but I think this is kind of a fun way to possibly get to know us as individuals. I know that I've learned a ton from when he was doing it um, by himself, and. I'm hoping that he learns some things about me if he listens. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be fun, I think. I, I think. I hope. I mean, watch. We get no listens and everybody hates this show. Um, I'll start off by saying kind of why you're here and listening to only me. Um, well, Wells. Wells has arrived, and Jake has in, been with his family and welcoming his sweet little adorable baby boy. Um, I don't want to give too much away, and I won't talk too much about it because I know that it'll be fun to talk about it on air, and I'm sure he's kind of, you know, chomping at the bit to come tell these stories and to tell his experience, or maybe not, maybe absolutely not, and he's like, why didn't you just say what everything so I didn't have to, but we'll see, um, but I am very happy for them, and I'm very excited for them, and so if there's any reason for them not to be here, I think that's a great reason, we'll accept it, we'll, we'll allow it, um, so congratulations, Jake and Kylie, um, from me and everybody who's listening, we're all very excited for you, and um, me specifically, I'm excited for you to be a dad, so now this is a dad show, two dads just crushing it, or trying to constantly, um, so congratulations, and yeah, I'm excited, I'm excited to hear from you, from, you know, you've been texting me a little bit about what's been going on, but I'm excited to hear from your own words just how it's been going. I'm excited. Um, in other news, I went to the doctors for the um, the orthopedic surgeon to just kind of get an idea of what the future of my knee looks like. And in this conversation with him, he just so flippantly says, like, yeah, so, I mean, here's kind of what we're looking at. And so we're going to, you know, I left space open on Monday for your surgery so we can just hammer that out and get that done. And I completely just glossed he just glossed over the fact that yes he said monday so asking whoa hold on did you say monday yeah he said monday so i i naturally i asked okay but what does it look like if i don't do it monday because that's a little sudden um and he honestly advised that like it is urgent because because of what has happened, my meniscus has a certain tear in it. It's flipped in towards the middle of my knee. So it's preventing my knee from being able to go completely straight. And he said that'll affect everything on the back of the knee, like all, all, every, all the tissue, whatever, all of it. So prolonging it will not be good. Um, and honestly, I've gotten to the point where, you know, if you've listened recently, you've heard me say that, you know, I'm in a good headspace about my knee. You know, it, it's it's part of the process. It's a part of loving basketball, and it's it's a consequence to loving something as much as I do. Um, and I didn't get news that I'll never play again. In fact, I, I he's very confident that I'll be able to play, and I have goals and motivation to do so. Um, I guess 
I don't know. I just I just wasn't ready for him to say Monday and for me to jump right into it. And um, it is kind of nice though, because then I can get on the on the healing and hopefully sooner than later start playing basketball. Because I was on this path to playing every weekend and trying to get in better shape and trying to getting get in team shape and league shape, and then this happens. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he says there's there's some options, there's some things he's going to decisions he's going to have to make when he gets in there. Um, but overall, it sounds like, I mean, I'm getting old, so it's 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 it is changing in there. So we're just going to have to adapt our game style, dude. Like Kobe, just start jacking threes and getting buckets. Um, so yeah, I guess that's happening Monday, and I will be around. All next week for all of your social media engagement on the page. Um, and, you know, I think Jake will be around too. So maybe we'll uh, do a fun episode for you guys next week. We'll see. I don't know. I never know what the plan is. I don't even know how this is a plan. I This is very last minute for me because I... I kept trying to brainstorm and think of something that I could just like really just crush it for everybody. And instead you get this. And I hope that... I hope this is... As enjoyable as Jake thoughts, but that's just my insecurities, right? Uh, I wanted to talk about this without Jake here <laughs> because we all know how much Jake loves Harry Truman. And I watched um, uh, FDR documentary. It was like three hours FDR documentary from you know his childhood to his death. And it, oh man, it's interesting. Uh, and I said this a little bit, and I don't want to get too much into the FDR stuff, but like just again, just really, it's almost like don't meet your heroes when you really get to see and dive into like their past and their and their youth and you know how they got to where they were. Just it's I don't know, it changes the perspective. It changed the perspective for me like a ton. So, um, so naturally, I you know I felt like. What I should do after watching FDR is watch the same series. I can't remember. It's a PBS three-hour series. I should watch Harry Truman, and I should watch the three, four-hour document documentary on Harry Truman. So I did, and wow, what what an interesting, interesting story. And I almost find him more. Um, I don't know. He just, I almost find him a little like endearing, more endearing than FDR even just because of who he is as a, who he was as a man. And just like, just, a uh, just his own personal insecurities in every step of his life and just never giving up and constantly just trying to find his place and then end up and have that, having that place end up be the president of the United States during World War II after a president who kind of kept you out of the loop of things while you're vice president and all of this just kind of happening um, and and going into this documentary and this research and, and ex exploration of Harry S. Truman knowing that he, this is the individual who decides and gives the go-ahead to drop the bombs on Japan the atom bombs so how does this timid kind of insecure guy Make be the one to then make that decision. Um, very, very interesting um, figures in history, both of them. And I've kind of, uh, you know, Jake mentioned just in my passing of talking about this stuff, how um, excited and and, pas and and passionate he hears me talking about these things again. And it, it, those are all the reasons why I pursued history because learning history gets me like that gets me excited and and gets me motivated and wanting to read and write and and research and watch documentaries and learn about historical figures and freaking nerd um i might have to wait for this but best truman oh boy oh boy she that guy was just in love with that woman and would do anything for her and she was just not feeling him ever at any point. It just didn't seem like it. Constantly just pursuing her. And he even asks her to marry 
him um, through a letter in which she replies no. And then at some point when he joins the military and then goes to fight in World War One, she asks him if he'll marry her. And he says no um, because he was, you know, with the, the possibility of coming back um, because so many people were coming back with uh, – war injuries he didn't want to be a burden for her so he says no like even in his rejection he's just like i just can't do that to you like i'm too this dude was obsessed with this person and she's just kind of like i i guess like never interested in being first lady from what i've i've found and it's just it's super interesting that 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 dynamic is is wild and her never wanting to be um up up in at the white house and constantly being in um Missouri, uh, which is funny because I, I did talk and explore how Truman was like, you know, we need to revamp the whole White House and gutted it and um, and did all that. And I, I'm, I, they haven't talked about any of that in the documentary. But again, you have these perceptions of who these people are. And then in some through research and through reading and, and documentaries, you it's just really just pulling the curtain back into who these people are. And you're like, oh, well, they're just people. And. Then it kind of makes you consider, like, imagine doing those jobs or being that person or finding that journey to that place where you're the leader of a country, I guess. I mean, we can't relate, right, unless you're listening and you're going to be president one day um, or or not, but or some dictator. I don't know. Just live your dreams. Um, a cult leader. That's kind of what we always joke about, about on knuckle draggers, which is not a funny joke, but that's what we want to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Harry, Harry Truman. He's, uh, I, I, I am more interested in and, and have more, um, I don't know. I just, I dig the guy now and, I, I, Jake obviously has been telling me that that you know he's great and how great he is and um, you know I'm just like yeah 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 but even with FDR like I just don't know enough and how can really we really know everything right but we have I always say this and even even with our conversation about how dangerous the internet is um, it is a tool that has like a world of knowledge at our fingertips and I'm just I'm trying to be more intentional about exploring um, information because it's there. I have a question. Okay, I want to answer that. I want to I want to know more about not just simply answering it, but diving more into uh, something so lame was um, almond butter. Um, Cheyenne asked me how almond butter was made, and so I was like, you know what? I don't know. Let's look it up. So we looked it up and read on it. And then we watched a video on like a a, a factory grinding up almonds and making almond butter um random but it i guess it really starts with the question so maybe that's where i need to kind of direct or prop up and encourage myself um to ask more questions because i know that i can do the learning and i'm encouraged to do the learning but it's 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 always that where do i start well it starts with the question and that's you know that's that's uh, if you're a history professor and you're hearing me say this you're like yeah that's that's where we start we know that we've done that for years and and i know but it's been a while and i forget sometimes so i'm trying to get back in the swing of thing as far as swings of things i started as like as far as um learning and i, I got mush mouth real bad right now <sighs> um okay so i have some um, moving on from Truman and moving on from surgery and Wells, Wells, Wells. Uh, I thought that I would take a page out of Jake's book and kind of look up some things to discuss. And um, he had conversation starters, I believe, um, on one episode. So what I'm going to do is I have some questions here that are um, maybe kind of philosophical, maybe kind of introspective, maybe just, <sighs> I don't know. Just something for me to just fill the air with. Fill your brain. I hope you're listening with two headphones in and the sound of my voice is just, just, you're just immersed in this. You can just enjoy this episode of Say What You Mean. So, first question I have is, what were some of the longest lasting consequences of the Great Depression on U.S. society? This was the first question listed on a, on a, on a, just a, page 
put together of like all of these these questions, uh, open-ended questions. And it was funny that I, I thought it was funny that the first question was kind of reflective of history or, or, or an historical event. Um, but I started thinking deeper, kind of deeper than that. And that's, I'm a sensitive boy. So naturally I do that. Um, but what are the lasting consequences of the great depression? And naturally I don't, I, I started thinking about, uh, my, I always think socially, um, even even when I'm doing research and writing um, for my undergrad, I was thinking socially about social programs, about um, uh, legislation and how it affected uh, people, um, right, obviously. But um, so my first thought is I thought about, you know, individuals living through the Great Depression and and social behaviors and um, savings and putting your money under the mattress and um, – I know I have a family member who kind of grew up like post depression, like, like just right there in those depression years who, um, really just hangs on to food, like canned foods, cans, their own foods, um, stores, those foods for a long time. And, um, I've never asked, but I imagine that those kind of behaviors kind of stem from the, the traumatic experience of the great depression. So I think that's, so that's where I went with my thoughts and then thinking about, you know, how does that affect those people today? Um, I'm not really thinking society wide. I like the question asks. Um, I think that as an answer to society, I think once we get too far from historical events or massive events or catastrophic events, people don't give a shit. I think that they are just like, well, that's in the past and that can't happen to me. And honestly, I think that is the lasting consequence of the Great Depression is nobody thinks it can happen. We have, um, you know, quote, recessions, right? But uh, the fear or the social, um, the social and the societal uh, reactions to the Great Depression, I think once you get too far removed, people don't care and they don't think it can happen to them. But naturally, I instantly kind of draw a parallel to COVID and living through this pandemic and how does this affect um, society, U.S. society um, specifically, I guess. And, and, and I think about those other things. Like I, I had seen videos of like kids um, sanitizing groceries and wiping them down and um, uh, just um, just cl extra cleaning habits, right? Naturally, because of the pandemic. And what does that institute into child behavior that then transcends into adulthood? Um, I don't have the answer, but those are things that I think about. I think about, you know, going to Disneyland. And one thing before I get to Disneyland is one thing I thought about is, and I'm sure other people's people have thought about this, but like bowling, like that was the thing that we all did where we just went to this place, jammed our fingers into three holes that who knows who else had put those their fingers in those holes. And then we're just like chowing down on French fries and finger food and then just slurping our fingers back into the holes and just going for it. Which is why bowling is one of the top three things that I hate. The other is s'mores and the other I can't disclose. But s'mores and bowling are not are not things that I enjoy. And it turns out I'm just ahead of the curve with with bowling and recognizing that that's just nasty. And I think that I'm wondering maybe in the future there will be some massive like catastrophic thing that happens that is reflective of s'mores. And then again, I can say I told you so. And this will be the if it's past my time, this will be the evidence that people will look to and be like, dude, in 2022, this guy knew that s'mores were going to A, B or C. Who knows what's going to happen with s'mores, but I'm telling you, I'm onto something. Um, so bowling, like, I'm, I don't know what bowling looks like today, but I can't imagine everyone's like just super thrilled on jamming their fingers in those holes and and then eating French fries or or what are they sanitizing between throws? What does that look like? Which brings me to Disneyland. Um, you know, I, I I've gone a few times, right? And this last time with uh, Cheyenne, it was just like there were there was hand sanitizer all over the park, and previously there hadn't been. So thinking about just touching things and like just 
being in line and touching rails and touching doorknobs and touching everything the park has to offer without sanitizer just readily available. Um, you know, I think that people had always kind of carried sanitizer with them, hand sanitizer, but obviously in a pandemic or post-pandemic world, that behavior changes and now it's everywhere, which is great. But I don't know. Those are the things like I think that we're going to be hypersensitive to cleanliness and sanitizing and um, I don't know, even now with rising COVID numbers um, at work, I started wearing my mask again when I when I'm engaging with the public. So these are all kind of the behavioral things that I, I, I know that I can that I can that I've lived and that I can kind of draw from in consideration of how the Great Depression has affected people. I know there ha- I don't know examples, but I'm sure that there are things like that. Like I mentioned, like uh, learning to can your own foods or learning to garden or learning to um, uh, uh, just just stocking up on food or, or certain things that you just do to prepare because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I would imagine that those are some of the kind of things that, that came out of that. And it'll be interesting as this continues. And as I don't know, it's different. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult because there are those of us who acknowledge that like germs are things that happen and that spread and that we've seen and know people that it's it, COVID-19 is killed. So it, it is concerning and, and I've had it and I don't want it again and I worry about the long-term effects and, and all of those things. Um, so what does that future look like? Do we continue to see evolutions of the virus or do we see and, – and look at how, how horribly we just – handled this pandemic with everybody fighting and politicizing whether wearing masks or not is appropriate or you know don't tread on me or whatever but if this disease was more lethal what does that look like and people are dying at you know um it's it's the contagion tale right go watch contagion it's terrifying but there's a lesson here overall learned that like what your freedom is isn't worth sacrificing for other people's health, like it, I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole, but those are things I think that society can look at. And, um, we're just selfish humans, I guess. And that's kind of a bummer, but, um, this next question is kind of interesting after calling everybody selfish. Why are humans creative? And I don't, this is all just off the top of my head. I don't have any answers. This is just me spitballing. This is how I'm just on the fly for you guys, dude. Um, creative. I don't know. I, I, my first thought is like, uh, just a need to express ourselves. Is everybody creative? I would imagine in some way. Right. And if not, that is sad. And I don't know why I just thought this is a terrible, like this is not, has nothing to do with the question, but I was thinking about this. Jake, Jake and I play call of duty all the time. And he, he's always, and I'd never heard this expression before, but Jake would always say that, like, oh, that, these guys are so sweaty, and this lobby's so sweaty, and everyone on Call of Duty now is so sweaty. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, like, sweaty. I don't know. I had no idea what it meant. But what I inferred was that it was like they're just tryhards, and they're just working their ass off to be the best that they can be, right? Sweating the game. Um But I play, sometimes I play Fortnite with seven-year-olds who are my friend's sons um dimitri from knuckle draggers i play with his son i was playing with him yesterday and there was this competitive mode really competitive mode of fortnite and i was like i've never played this i thought it would be kind of fun to try so i'm in the lobby and i'm playing and then the match ends and he joins my party and he's got like one of his internet friends again these these are seven-year-olds and adorable like cute little voices and they're like what are we playing his friend goes are we playing competitive mode and uh uh dimitri's son's like yeah i think so and his friend goes man i don't sweat and he's like yeah i don't sweat either man i don't sweat let's not play this and that was the first time outside of jake using that expression that i had heard it and i thought i was just dying like just to hear these little kids like the the culture of video game and like just now you're trashing on people who are trying to be good at it um at the level of a seven-year-old right and and in Fortnite, no less i just thought it was great um so yeah I, i guess that just kind of reaffirmed my suspicion on what 
Jake meant by all these sweaty dudes um, just trying trying real hard to be good at these video games. So, um, But back to being creative. Um, and I got to being creative because I started in my head. I didn't say it out loud, but what fun is that if you're not hearing my thoughts, right? Um, just a thought about like people being creative and then people expressing themselves and expressing themselves through video games. I don't know if that's a thing. I would imagine so, but... Um, I really miss, you know, a few weekends ago I talked about, I went to visit my buddy Jeff and we were really reminiscing about what it was like when we were 18 years old playing in bands together. And I miss, I miss writing songs and it, you know, just, I, I miss that camaraderie of like creating together. And I think that that's something that's music is so specific to sometimes where, um, I mean, I guess I, unless you can do everything yourself, every instrument yourself and every you, skill of m- creating music you can do by yourself, but it's not, there's something about being there. And there's some friends that I have where we've kind of sent ideas back and forth digitally, but it's not the same. Like I have very vivid memories of me being, um, when I was playing bass in the band Smash Attack and I was just like laying on the ground and just feeling the kick drum like through the floor and feeling my bass through the floor and just listening, laying on my back from the floor and just working out ideas and creating together, um, shooting down ideas, you know, trashing each other's ideas, but always finding a way to collectively create something that we were proud of, um, you know, and I think that since then writing music has been hard for me because regardless of what I put out, if it's by myself, then it all falls on me where, you know, I can always point to the finger to other people like, oh, I didn't write that lyric. That was uh, him over here and blame him. That's, I know it's kind of a weird line. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of scapegoating there, too. But uh, I do miss that that element of creating music and creating music with friends. Um, and I think that's why I like the podcast now with Jake is because we get to we get to sit down and we get to talk and it may not seem creative, but afterwards I get to kind of go through the process of adding music and choosing different songs that kind of reflect the conversation. Um, but also like doing the doing the 200th episode, we got to play we sports for the first time and then creating that video um, of us playing and all of that kind of this has become an outlet of creativity which i've really enjoyed but i think that it i don't know where it comes from so i can't answer why are we creative but there there is something about the need to express ourself in some way or right but what does that mean to express yourself is there's so many different ways we can express ourselves whether it's through words and maybe that's what the podcast is is through the talking the talking medium of expressing ourselves and, um, you know, soliloquy, right? Is anybody even listening to this right now? Am I just rambling? Um, but it is an expression of my thoughts and it is expression of my feels. And, um, I don't know. It is encouraging when people listen and they can give feedback. Um, but maybe that's why we, we create, right? Maybe that's why we're creative is, is to create something and then put it out there and then to, um, find um, relations or find uh, uh, connections made over interests and over creations, um, you know, over, o- over appreciating another human's creative expression. <laughs> That's deep, bro. Um, what, <laughs> what do you like? Why do you like the band performers that I like? Oh man, I don't, that's a tough question. I think that, I think that it all kind of stems from an, an evolution of music appreciation. I would say that very young, my mom listened to like, uh, uh, Z100, very popular music that was on all the time through the nineties. And I was a huge like Backstreet Boys fan and just all the popular music I was super into. But also I have, again, vivid memories of my mom. Uh, anytime it was cleaning time, right? Or time to clean the house or time to do chores together or just saying F you mom while she did it all by herself. Um, but always her always listening to doo-wop music and always having CDs and always playing those those oldies and the doo-wop. And so it was, it was always oldies or like popular music. And... Um, 
you know, growing up in, in that, with those influences and loving doo-wop and loving, um, uh, the popular music. And then one day, you know, when we're, you're a teenager, when you're a young teenager and you're trying to find out who you are and what you enjoy. And I remember watching, I think it was, it had to have been TRL or something. Um, total request live for those of you who don't know back when MTV did play music, um, they had a show after school where we would rush. I would run home from the bus, run home as fast as I could to watch the top 10 list. It was a top 10 list of all the, like the popular songs at the time. And I think it was there that I saw blink 182s. What's my age again. And they're running naked in the video and they're playing their own instruments. And I think it was there for the first time I realized like, wait, you can do that. Like you can play your own music and, and sing like that, you know, it was always like, I'll never break your heart girl with the rain falling down on him. No instruments, just the feels and the, and the, and the brooding looks and, um, you know, all of that. And I just, i never connected the dots, which is like, you know, it's, it's interesting because now even going back and there was no influence of like rock you know my mom listened to like chicago and stuff and sticks but still like not enough for me to be like whoa like what is this and i think that was the first time that i had that experience was with blink 182 um and then from there just going to like what else is out there like this so then i get into mxpx and then i get into um reliant k and then from there you see me just go into all of the pop punk and emo and screamo and um uh metal and uh just southern metal and just different variations of metal and um yeah, I think, and then I think, like, you know, when I was 16, I was jamming with friends and writing music acoustically and kind of trying to reflect the things that I was, you know, and when I was 15, I was with, I was like, okay, this is something you can do. Do I know anybody who can do this? And I didn't. I didn't know anyone who played. And I made friends in high school, one who played guitar and was influenced by his older brother. And, um, and he was like, hey, like, I play guitar. You should play bass. I also have a bass. So then he gave me bass. And he's like, hey, my this guy I went to middle school with, he plays drums. And we would just get together and we would just learn and play Reliant K songs all the time. Um, and I remember one time the drummer's dad, like, had connection at his, connections at his church. And we recorded we had like one original song and like again we were playing reliant k songs and we went to the church and set up and he mic'd us and we got like a, a horrible recording of us playing these songs um but i think that you know those early interests in music and creating you know and then when i was 18 uh my friend's were in bands and they're like, Hey, do you want to come see our band? And I was like, sure. So seeing people do the things that I just never, I'd never realized that you could do those things, obviously, um, kind of influenced my shift in music and my interest in the bands that I enjoy. I still love like doo-wop and I, and I've even expanded and explored, you know, um, in, in different older rock music. But I think now, um, it's just finding I'm not listening to any new music. Honestly, I went and listened to the two singles that um, Demi Lovato has released and they're just getting back to those like camp rock roots and it's, it's pop punk stuff. Right. But it's just, it feels artificial. So I can't really can't get into it. Um, but honestly, I started listening to, um, you know, uh, Spotify has this amazing feature where, they can you can like watch the lyrics scroll as songs play and so i've just been throwing that on just to like see if you know i love being i love finding words that i thought i knew and just being like nope that was i completely would have been singing that wrong for years and with a band like 36 crazy fist that happens all the time just because of the way that brock enunciates words um and so I've been listening to more and more 36 Crazy Fist just because of the the relations with playing with them before and opening for them and then Kyle going and playing with them. Um, so it's always fun to listen to them because, you know, just of the connections. But then I've been reading more and more the lyrics as they play and 
I'm completely blown away by Brock's and the band's writing lyrically. Um, I don't know if it's all Brock. I imagine it is. But either way, just that is something that just has re-encouraged and re- um, uh, just sparked my uh, my interest again in the band um, is just lyric reading with their songs. So um, I would say that yeah, it's just it's just it's this evolution of of teenage Jeff kind of finding who he is. And as far as performing live, I I mean, there's I saw Blink when I was thirty, and they had Matt because Tom had left. And that'll be the only time that I ever go see them with Matt. I, I won't see them again until Tom's back, if Tom ever comes back. It was it was fun, and I was drinking, and it was 30, you know, and it was a blast, but it's not the same. And and hearing Matt sing Matt's song is awesome. I love Blink when Matt's singing Matt's song, but hearing Matt sing Tom's songs and be completely phoned in and not care is not something I'm interested in doing again. So I would say that that's another element is like looking at bands live and what we appreciate them. I've always said that the the two most solid bands I've ever seen are Hanson and Killswitch Engage. And that makes me value seeing them live because they are tight, they are they are talented and they they just they sound very good live and you can hear the harmonies even even in the metal band and and um i just really enjoy the way that a band performs live so that's also something that encourages why i like them um what is my worst travel experience i have this funny story but i don't remember it but it's something i think i know well enough to tell um I blocked out all those early childhood memories because of trauma, but there's this story where we're driving to Mexico um, with my dad and my mom and all and all, my sister and brother, and we're in this van and we're driving from Oregon to Central Mexico where my my dad's family lives, and we get to like we hit like a border checkpoint. I think i don't think we're at a border we must be at a border checkpoint now that i'm thinking about it i should get the details from my mom or have her on and tell it but essentially we like get there and they like won't let us go um they're looking for you know i think birth certificates at this time you know passports they didn't care for like um so they're just looking for documentation to prove that we are who we are and my mom or my parents don't have i think my brother's birth certificate and so the uh Policia are looking for the green papers. If you don't have the necessary documents, then we we're looking for the green papers. Get us the green papers and we'll let you go. And my mom, I think she's told this is like, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. What green papers. And this is, this is how I remember it uh, being told to me. But essentially I think we do get the effects of the birth certificate and they let us go. But later down the road, my dad kind of, telling telling everyone like they were they were wanting money that was the green papers they were looking for um so i always thought i always thought that was a funny story not one that i can like remember or recall like that i would say the worst travel experience recently was missing our plane which is entirely my fault to disneyland um just because of just because of how it affects people <laughs> like anxiety and trying to take our kiddo to disneyland and just botching the getting on the plane that was pretty um pretty rough i know i have other ones i uh we went camping last year um at silver falls and i for some reason packed away the tent in a tote that i normally don't pack it in and when i loaded up the car i didn't pack that tote so we didn't have our tent and we needed taryn and clay to to bring us a tent and they they came through but um, I was prepared to drive all the way back to Vancouver from Silverton, Oregon um, to get our tent. And it, it was just a nightmare, but I didn't have to do it, which worked out. So th- just things like that, I guess, would be the worst travel experiences. Mo- all of them are my fault, right? I, I forgot the tent. I was late. I caused us to be late um, uh, to the airport. So I would say that <laughs> most of my worst travel experiences are because of me. Um what is a good life is the next question. Um, I think I'm still looking for that answer. I think, you know, you, if you've listened for a while, you've really heard me struggle lately with feeling fulfilled or feeling happy 
um, and kind of just this journey of like, okay, this is what I want to be intentional with and I'm enjoying that. But, but then now, you know, kind of questioning whether or not that's making me genuinely happy. And yeah, I would just say that, that, that is something that I'm still searching for. I enjoy again, expressing myself through art and creativity. I love doing the show. I love spending time with, um, you know, Jake every week. It's, it's so fun. It's so great getting to do that. Um, and his commitment, like this doesn't happen without f- two people just really being committed to each other. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's been so therapeutic for me and I know at times so much for him. And so, um, I, I would say that a good life for me is, is completely stemming from just, one, I would say being outside to um, the relationships that I have and three personal growth. Um, and I'll say that, you know, I love being outside in and, and the hot weather. It's it feeds my soul, dude. Uh, Mexicans are cold blooded. So um, I get my power from the Earth's yellow sun. So when it's out, that's when I feel the most powerful and I feel uh, energized and I feel like I just feel good, honestly. Um, and maybe that's vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. Um, but I just, I love being outside and I, I, you know, Jake does these hikes all the time and it, it always resets him. And I know that I need to start doing that more. So him and I have already discussed like after surgery, like let's get out on hikes. He's kind of encouraged me to do more drone stuff, m- filming more drone stuff out in nature. So going hiking with him and, and getting again, creating with um, the technology that I have and then having fun with that creation. So kind of uh, marrying two things that really, I think make my life good, which is a creative expression and being outside. Um, and then relationships, you know, identifying those relationships that really reinforce um, joy and happiness and um, uh, uh, being genuine Um and those are all through like really good friends and family and uh, laughter. You know, um, it's it's Jen. Jen said this. It's kind of like evil, right? But um, her and I have had both experiences where we've made her mom laugh so hard, where she's like holding her chest and she's like, "Don't!" And Jen was making her laugh so hard, she's like, "You're gonna give me another heart attack," which is not funny, but there's joy there, right? And there's celebration there, and. That, I think, is what makes a good life. Being able to really just belly laugh with your friends and fear a heart attack. That's that's a good life. Um, and, and, you know, I got a I was I was drinking for the first time in a while. I, I uh, when I went up and, and hung out with Jeff and got a little buzzed and got a little emotional. And Jen's like, why are you getting so emotional? And it was, you know, I'm not wasted. Right. But I'm I, I'm just I'm in my feels and just being there with Jeff. Um, and really kind of recognizing the joy of being with a friend. And um, I think that maybe some, maybe the pandemic has played part in this, you know, um, I haven't seen my best friend in two years. And I think there's a lot of sadness around that and, and hope right for the future to like get through this and, and then being able to hang out with him. But I, but I know that there's joy there waiting right in that relationship. And we talk and we play video games every week. Um, but for me, I think a lot of that stems from a lot of my my joy and good life comes from my relationships and my time with people and conversations and exploring interests and exploring developing interests and then watching my friends become parents and watching my family members become parents and parents again um, and, and spending time with these children and watching them grow. And I don't know. I think that that a lot of that is what makes a good life. Um Adventure, friendship, relationships, and creating, I think, is the answer to that question. But that's for me. I don't know about you people. Um, How important do you think self-improvement is? Uh, I've mentioned this. I think it is very important. I think that... I I think it's, you know, I'm still very much a scumbag in my own ways. And I don't think that's a lot of those ways are going to change. But um, uh, I read this book in grad school called um, Mindset, the new psychology of success. How can we learn to fulfill our potential? 
by Dr. Uh, Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. And I just always refer to this book when I catch myself kind of my negative self-talk or my doubts or my um, imposter syndrome, just trying to shift the way that I'm thinking and um, getting from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. So I would encourage anybody who hasn't read this to just pick it up. It's actually a fun read. It's not like something like dry uh, and clinical, like, uh, I don't know, at the hearth of the cross races or nothing like that. Just something that is just, it's a good read. It's a, it's a solid read, but just, um, you know, it's weird because I guess you could classify it as a self-help book, um, which I never in my life thought I would ever read. So naturally it was required for me to read before I actually read anything like that. Uh, and it was encouraging and it, and it changed the way that I think. And even on the front cover, it says parenting, business, school, and relationships. And it, it has affected all of those things for me. Um, so it, it's also, um, continued to push me to, to grow and improve myself. Um, so that's, I don't know. Check that book out if you can. Um, it's on Audible. It's it's not expensive. What is the price here? Uh, uh, Seventeen bucks for uh, this book. So check it out. Um, how important do you? Th- oh, I already read that one. Uh, what will the future of war look like? Uh, that is an interesting question, especially after watching the atom bomb and the development of it in this documentary. Um, and I've just marathon almost all of the Terminators, which get atrocious might i say um people hated on salvation and i kind of dug salvation like that was the last one that i could actually stand after that um it's it's trash um but i mean what does war look like that or what does war look like um and that's what i think about is like this work against the machines right naturally that's what i think about but um you know i think about i think about like drone strikes right and how prominent that has become in in modern warfare um and that is a decision or a method to limit our own casualties which is just kind of the 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 thought when dropping the atom bombs was like limiting our own casualties not getting into a ground war with japan and nuking them because of them not wanting to surrender um so maybe I guess that's what future warfare looks like. And that's at least the trend, right? Um, is developing ways to lessen our own casualties um, so that we just don't lose our own citizens, I guess. And, and you know, one thing Jake and I have talked about before is like, unless that's civil war, right? And then it's your neighbor and you disagree. And, and you know, uh, one, one guy's rocking the American flag and one guy's rocking a let's go Brandon flag, you know? It, it, the war war looks different in different situations, I would imagine. Um, next question is, what uh, strategies do you use to make big decisions? Um, I think that I use pretty regularly like uh, pro-cons lists. Um, I very much like to talk things out with people and not just like the same certain people, but mix it up a little bit and ask different people their opinions because everybody has different life experiences. So I'd like to kind of pick people's brains to see what their thought process is. And maybe they're looking at it from an angle that I haven't considered yet and using that to kind of educate my own decisions or completely change my mind if they, if it, if they do sometimes. Right. Um, but I, I think that that gets back to, I guess, me um, and the woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? Don't telling, not telling people what they should do, right? But when I'm trying to navigate through decision making, I am kind of looking for people to tell me what they think I should do, um, not to make the decision for me, but to help me process in my decision making, to help me kind of maybe look at things I haven't considered, look at bigger picture. Again, I think just to help me look at things from a different perspective. But that I think is one of the most important things I do is is check with other people. See what they think. What are their thoughts? Uh, what are their experiences? Are there is there anyone with similar experiences who that I can then reach out to and say, "Hey, I know you have something similar to this. What do you think?" Um 
I guess that's the researcher in me, right? Is is, is checking in with other people's and other resources to see um, what the data shows. What are some of your plans for the future? I'm moving to Portugal, dude. Um, No, I only say that because I recently read an article that said uh, Americans are moving to Europe just because of cost of living and, and, and buying houses here and whatever. People are leaving. And Portugal was like the number one destination on that i don't really know i've really really kind of um started pursuing a career in communications i have um just really started putting the feelers out there on opportunities for communications i love communications i enjoy communications it's what i went to school for um, and whether that's communications through uh, a historical organization or a government or whatever that might look like, I just really enjoy communications. And I'm the most happy when I'm working on communications projects. Even in my work, even at work now in my current position, I am given communications um projects because of my communications background, which is amazing. That opportunity that I have there is encouraging and it's exciting and I love doing that work. So I appreciate and value that, but it's almost, you know, made me realize where my joy is and where I really kind of thrive and um, I want to do that for the rest of my life. So I think my future plans are to con- continue to pursue um communications and develop my skills in communications um and yeah get healthy get feel better take some pressure off my knees get my knee back together um the way that it's supposed to be and continue to celebrate the growth of of my friends and my family and um there's weddings coming up and and now i have a baby to meet and um yeah i think just really again take those things that make my life good and bring them in closer like grab them with my arms you can't see me but i'm just motioning me hugging them in close um that's the only plans i got and continue to do this every week um why does happiness come so easily to some but not others this uh my first thought is bullshit (laughs) does it does it um i don't i don't know if it does I mean, maybe it does, um, and maybe just people have found the things that at an earlier age or sooner than maybe the rest of us that continue to reinforce that happiness, but I, I just am such a, I'm so cynical and just judgy of, of the portrayal of happiness, right? And I instantly think about social media or instantly think about what people want us to see, Um I think I think that going through infertility and going through um, this adoption process and then and then and growing our family that way, I think has kind of encouraged me to be more open and honest and not portray this false sense of of happiness. Like when you're struggling, say something. Um, and I think that through a lot of the things that I've gone through in my life most recently, I've just kind of held my tongue and didn't want to burden anybody with my problems. And I think that, um, once I kind of was, we were kind of like, we need, we need help. We need, we need, um, love. We need encouragement. We need, um, support. Once you get to that place, (laughs) You just don't give a shit and you just start expressing everything and sharing everything and letting people know how, how real things, how real life is. So I would say that with happiness coming easily, um, I, I, now I'm countering my own self and I would say that I imagine that happiness can come easy, but that, um, but then I just think about all of the, the hardships right recently. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then you look on social media, right? If you look over my social media during some of those darkest times, it, it portrayed just live in La Vida Loca, but those were dark times and those were hard times. Um, so somebody might view that the perception is that, oh man, how can happiness come so easily for that person when it wasn't and it was hard and it was, it was being intentional. So I don't know. I don't think that that is one that I can answer or have an answer for. 
Um, but I also don't know if happiness does come so easily for people. I think it's, I think there, you have to consider perception. I think you have to consider, um, uh, image, a forced image put out there, uh, especially in the, in where we live today. Um, or, or this, you know, unwillingness to be honest and, and real with people, you know, Hey, how's it going? Oh, things are great. When really they're not, they're not good. Things are not good. And I prefer, you know, and I think that what I do love and enjoy about kind of the friendships that I've solidified over these last 35 years is that I can be that person. I can be real around those people that I love and care for and that love and care for me that I'm like, dude, things are not good. And they're like, what's up? Let's figure it out. You know, and for me, I'd like to be that same person for them. Um, and maybe that's happiness, right? It's just is honesty and being able to kind of navigate through shit not being good. Or should be an amazing, and you guys just celebrating in that. Um, but social media sucks. <laughs> um, let's see, what do we got here? What? I'm not answering that one. <laughs> uh, what life hacks have you found to be particularly effective? There's one that I found recently that I thought was so stupid when I watched somebody act it out, and then I tried it, and I was like, "Damn it, it worked." It was this. Um, it's from this podcast that I listened to and they made like a video special and this guy was talking about how it shows him like getting out of his car and locking his car and then walking away from his car. And one of the tips that he had had, one of the quote life hacks, if you will, was every time I lock my car, I start counting to 25 as I walk away from my car. And I, I do that because I realized that 25 seconds away from my car, I always asked, wait, did I lock my car? But 25 seconds away from my car now, if I'm counting to 25, I've all, I've started counting because I know that I locked the button. And I tried it the other day when I was walking into the, um, into the orthopedic specialist appointment. And, and Jen asked me, did you lock the car? And because I was counting, I knew that I'd count. I knew that I had locked the car. So I judged the hell out of it, but I did it and it works. I don't think I'll do it every time. I'm sure I'll just turn back around and click it 40 times just to make sure. But that, I mean, it works. It is something that works. So, um, see if you, uh, you give it a shot and see if it works for you. Let me know if you could design a reality TV show, what would it be like? Honestly, I love, I don't, I'm just, this is me getting on my pedestal and just celebrating Big Brother. Big Brother's back. Season 24 just started. We're two weeks in and I'm already all in. I'm already so just remembering why I love this show and how much I love the social experiment of what it is. And I have access to the live feeds now and I've been watching a little bit of the live feeds, which is something that I've never done. But now, now I'm all in. Um, so much so that I've gone back and started rewatching old seasons and I'm just now finishing, uh, season 10. So we're on season 24 and I'm also finishing season 10 and just appreciating just the, the game of what it is. And, um, there's a guy I work with who we always joke that we're the same person. He's, he's amazing. And I love just chatting about everything with this guy. We nerd out about like Marvel and star Wars and Disney and movies and big brother and, um, just pop culture in general and history and, uh, music. And we're just, this dude is awesome. Um, but he also is obsessed with big brother like me so we've kind of encouraged other people around us to start watching and after every episode we come into work and we're like oh my god did you see what happened and it's been fun to kind of go back now since i've been watching season 10 and uh, being like dude did you remember when dan did this and just kind of just having someone to bounce off like i can't believe they pulled this off um so I guess to answer the question, Big Brother is the show that I would design because it's so fun. Um, I'm sure that I would like to change the game in ways to get back to more of the the root of Big Brother, like the way it used to be. But you always have to evolve the game and change it, and the show's definitely done that. Um, I did always joke about how, and I know The Office did kind of have this, and I guess that I feel like a lot of people could say this or feel this way about their own workspaces, but imagine if you had a reality TV show about where you work, and in the same sense, I always joke about every place that I've worked is my own personal 
Big Brother experiment? How how do the social dynamics work? How how do the relationships work? Um, are there saboteurs? Are there people who are in charge who um, just just different? It's so dumb that I I always have just done that, but um, you know, looking at your own jobs like what would it look like in the relationships feeling uh, filming a a reality tv show and you know we have the office right and uh the office is kind of like a mockery of what it's like to work in the office space which is the, i think why people love it right um all, other than it being hilarious there's there's a lot of relatable things there and then once the warehouse stuff like really becomes prominent for me it's just working in warehouses and in transportation before now um i always thought it would be so funny to have a reality tv show of uh, just these dynamics of these people that work on the docks and that worked on the dock with me and worked in this trucking industry with me um because there are some freaking characters dude but i guess that's everywhere right um so yeah i don't know i always thought that uh, i love the reality tv game show like big brother but i also just love um just kind of looking into different lives and, and what that looks like. And I think that if every career had a sort of reality show, what does that look like? One that's not filtered through commercialism and trying to construct. I mean, I'm sure those shows would suck then, right? Because you have to create these narratives, but I don't know. I think it would be fun to look at different people's jobs um, through the lens of a reality show. I don't know. Um, let's go with uh, one last question. What social situations do you dread? <sighs> you know, I think that I would say, you know, my first gut reaction is like one where I have to stand up and talk in front of people. But that doesn't bother me really anymore. Um, except, and I think this is the answer. Uh, is this a social situation? I guess it would be. Um, I guess it would be. I think that's the answer, standing in front of people and talking. Um, I think about uh, there are times at funerals when I've gone over memories and like just cried in front of people at these moments. Like, why do I do that? Why do I put myself in that situation? Or even at, at weddings, at Jake's wedding, I like said something. Um, uh I think like looking back, I'm like cringing, like at the thought of it. Um, but those aren't, that's not really a social situation, right? I don't, I don't really know if there is one that I'm, I dread, but that's, I think because I'm a social person, I enjoy socializing. <laughs> I guess just thinking about this, I guess it would be like, I don't know if this counts, but like seeing somebody, you know, and not wanting them to see you, um, in a public place, um, or, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think I just thought of it. It's, uh, like when you show up somewhere and like everybody's going to be there together, whether it's a meeting somewhere for dinner, which isn't really that big of a deal, but like, say it's like a, an event and none of your friends or people, you know, are there yet. Oh God. God, I can't do that. I cannot do that. And my daughter is the most social person ever. She's such a good icebreaker and she's so good at like, inter she's, dude, at Jake's wedding, she was the wife of the party and introducing people to us. Um, which I, I don't know. I think that, that, I think that that's the, the answer is like arriving somewhere and realizing that none of my friends or family are there. And there are people there, um, but you just, they just don't know you or they ask how you why you're there or how you know anybody that is there um oh i can't stand that i think that 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 is the that is the bad one uh, another one i just um was thinking about is like <laughs> when you go to like shake someone's hand or high five them and there's like that mix up that handshake mix up i think that those are those are i don't really hate those i think those are always fun but i always kind of like super awkward moments and i think that that sometimes i enjoy those things because uh uh i, I enjoy those things so that makes sometimes being at social events enjoyable when i get to see them if it's me not into it right if i'm if i'm in a room full of people and i see someone show up and no one that they know is there yet I'm all about it. I love it. Let me watch that. 
you're being weird. I'm I'm here for it. But if it's me, not down. If you're high fiving someone who's trying to handshake and then hug and then it's awkward, I'll watch that all day long. But if it's me, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. I'm not about it. Um, okay, that's it for <laughs> Jeff thoughts with Jeff. Um, if you've made it this far, I don't know how. But I appreciate and I value your time. Um, I value anyone who's continued to listen to this show up to this point for us to now get to the adventures of doing this by ourselves and just blurbing our thoughts into space. So we will be back um, and we will explore fatherhood with Jake as soon as we can. Again, thanks so much for listening. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 